This is an AMI podcast. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. The Manitoba election is in the books. The short version, the very short version. The new Democrats have won a majority government. There's obviously way more to explore than just that. Michelle McQuig is the weekend news editor at the Canadian Press. Hey, good morning, Michelle. Good morning, Dave. <laughs> Michelle, votes are still being counted. 90.5% of votes have been counted as of 9 a.m. Eastern time. It is an NDP majority government. That is known. But what's the scale of the win? Well, uh, from what I can tell, well, first of all, I would like to note that your erstwhile news panel got everything wrong on Friday. Yeah, right. Uh, not a one of us <laughs> successfully called this one. So, uh, so much for your news panel's accuracy. Um, it's not going to be a huge majority. The, the The threshold for getting one was 29 seats. We know they're going to have that. The projections that I've been seeing this morning are looking more like sort of 31, 32 kind of seats that they might wind up with. So that would be less than the conservative majority that just toppled after, after this election, but it is a majority nonetheless. And it is a significant swing away from the status quo in Manitoba and is ushering in a whole new era here. Yeah, it's been almost a decade with the progressive conservative government uh, in power. Yeah, Michelle, you mentioned 29 seats. Those have been confirmed one by the NDP. They're leading in five and the PCs are leading in two more. So there's the possibility of going up to 34 seats, but votes are still being counted. But yes, at this moment, it is a, it is a majority. It's been declared a majority government win for the NDP. I dove a little deeper into the popular vote. Not the popular vote matters in Canada. Don't get me started. But it was, it is notable, the popular vote, was actually much closer than what the seat allotment is going to be, about 45% for the NDP and 41% for the PCs. So as we were were talking on the news panel on Friday, part of the conversation was that opinion polls showed it being quite close, and the popular vote does reflect that it is quite close as well. That's interesting, yeah. And the seat allocation thing is significant because the the path to victory for the NDP was through urban and suburban ridings, as as is so often the case in Canadian politics. It's true in Manitoba, too. And in order for the NDP to secure this win, they needed to topple a number of people in Winnipeg ridings and ridings in and around that city, and they did so. They knocked off a number of conservative cabinet ministers. Um, the inroads they made there are, are widely what's being credited with their win. They also did make some gains up north. It's worth noting that as well. So it wasn't just limited to those areas. Mm-hmm. But uh, in terms of seat concentration, that's where the bulk of the seats are distributed. And any party knows. And then we see this time and again in every province and definitely every federal election. If you can't turn those urban ridings, it's not going to happen. Yeah, win cities, win elections. Okay, Michelle, let's get to some sound here. NDP leader and soon-to-be premier Wab Canoe was pretty fired up addressing his supporters. No kidding. (laughs) Manitoba! Manitoba did something more progressive than any of those big cities ever did. a strong team of new Democrats to fix health care and make your life more affordable. Michelle, there's a certain Captain Obviousness to this question, but what's the significance of Wab Canoe securing this election win? Well, there is the, 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 the big thing, really, is that he is the first First Nations premier to be elected into office by a Canadian province. So that, that's really pretty big. And 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 you saw that in the, the tone of the comments last night. Uh, Wab Canoe himself made mention of it at some point, having to acknowledge it. 
but even his opponents, who were pretty gracious in defeat, were quick to point this out and talk about how this was a bit of a generational moment for a whole number of people, especially when you consider the fact that Wapkanu's own parents, under Canadian law, were not allowed to cast a vote in their lifetime. Wow. Um, yeah. So there's some, it, I found that very striking. And it made the the moment when Mob Canoe brought his mother up on stage to sing Happy Birthday um, all the more moving in light of that last night. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, let's switch over to the Progressive Conservatives. Their leader and former Premier Heather Stephenson is stepping down after the loss. Stephenson stressed mm -hmm. the, the vital role of being in opposition. As we head to the other side of the House, I can tell Manitobans that the team of PC MLAs that you elected tonight will keep fighting for you and we will hold the new government's feet to the fire. Michelle, I found this one to be a little bit surprising. Even though Stephenson's been in politics for 23 years, that's a long career, I am surprised that, that in, in what was maybe statistically a little bit of a closer race than what the outcome is going to suggest, I'm I'm surprised that Stephenson's stepping down. I really am. What's your reaction? Well, yeah, I, I, Stephenson has raised a number of eyebrows with his campaign specifically. Um, the, the the we discussed this on the panel on Friday. The party leaned really hard into the issue of searching the Prairie Green. A lot of heat for that in recent weeks, to the point where she pulled back significantly through the end of the campaign. She did not hold any press conferences in Winnipeg for about 10 days, which is really surprising yeah, on the campaign yeah. trail. Um, so she went really, really radio silent. She did not allow the media to accompany her to cast a ballot, which is, again, a very traditional thing to do on a campaign. Um, so I, I am not entirely sure what is going on there, but there are... I, I, I was also struck not only by her resignation as party leader, because I didn't see that coming either, but by the fact that at this moment, anyway, unless something's coming when I haven't been looking, we're not even sure if she got her own seat back. That's that's still uh, that's still being counted right now. Still being yeah, counted right so, now. It's one of the it's one of the writings that's up for up for debate still. Yeah. So in light of those, those are not uh, great indicators of great personal popularity. So in light of those factors, maybe the step of the resignation is a bit less surprising, but I can't say I saw it coming myself. Yeah. Speaking of a party leader uh, losing their seat, a liberal leader, uh, yes. Douglas Lamont, Douglas lost Lamont, his writing yes. and promptly resigned. Hold, hold on, Michelle. I got a clipper. I got a clip here. Hold on. Yeah, I am truly sad today to be losing, but the people have spoken. I'll congratulate Robert Lozell. I congratulate Wab Canoe. And that's it. Thank you. Merci. Terse prompt uh, resignation there by uh, by Douglas Lamont, but Michelle, it feels not not to make everything about Ontario, but it feels like again the brand of what is the Liberal Party provincially is uh, kind of out in the wilderness right now. Uh, looking at Ontario, Manitoba, there's there's a there's a couple places that are just kind of uh, wandering around here where there's there's not a lot of light in the forest. I would hesitate to draw the equivalent between the Ontario Liberal Party and the Manitoba Liberal Party in this context. The Man when the Liberals fell from grace, it was a stunning defeat. We were talking about a multi-generational government that had been there reduced to losing official party status. In this case, uh, there were three Liberal MLAs in Manitoba, and now there is one. So yes, not a great day for the Liberals, not a good day for Douglas Lamont, unfortunately, but uh, we're not talking about the same kind of scale of reduction in, in party status mm -hmm. and, and scope as we saw in, in Ontario, but that is an interesting point, and uh, 
trying to think of where the liberal brand might be a little stronger. Yeah, so New, yeah. New, New, Nova, Nova Scotia was another one. Where yeah, the, Newfoundland yeah. and Labrador at this point is the only is the only province that has uh, an official liberal branded premier. That's right. Well, we, we might see an election in New Brunswick soon. So uh, yes. That there. <laughs> you know, Michelle, that is actually my, my last and other observation. As I zoom out, Canadian politics looks much different than it did about two years ago. New premiers in British Columbia, Alberta, Manitoba, Newfoundland and Labrador, Nova Scotia, Yukon, and in a few weeks, the Northwest Territories. You also mentioned the possibility of an election being called in New Brunswick. I, th I, I would say that the pandemic did change a little bit the way politicians looked at their jobs, that it wasn't just glad-handing and rubber chicken dinners anymore. You actually had to make some really difficult, hard decisions, and you took a lot of flack and heat for it. So I can see why a lot of top leaders would say, Nah, man, this isn't for me anymore. This isn't what I signed up for. What's your theory or thought on this kind of turnover that's happening at the provincial level? Yeah, for me, it kind of tracks with my own experience of pandemic life. If you remember the, the votes that were held in, in the immediate days of the pandemic, everyone stayed put. So there wasn't a lot of change when it was actually happening. But now that we're sort of past it a bit, I'm I'm getting the sense that a lot of people have more appetite for change, and that does play out politically. And like you said, Dave, I think you're right to say that the the governments who are in charge of executing pandemic measures and putting those in place are now feeling some probably possibly inevitable pushback, and some of it of just the cyclical nature of, of politics. Of yeah, course. but yeah, yeah, you, you're right. Of course, some, some governments are going to carry some water on on those kinds of files. And Manitoba, one could argue, is one of them because that was an area where the Tories specifically really started losing popularity very noticeably during the pandemic, and now they're out of office. Well, Michelle, on to the Northwest Territories in November and maybe New Brunswick before uh, the year is out in terms maybe of provincial so. elections. So yep. political analysts, uh, don't uh, get your powder <laughs> too wet here. Michelle, thank you for this. Have a great day. You too. Take care, Dave. That's Michelle McQuig, weekend news editor at the Canadian Press and part of the Friday News Panel. Coming your way in about 48 hours. So stay right there. Don't go anywhere. Literally sit right there and wait for the panel to start in 48 hours on the Friday show. <laughs> Coming up after the break, climate emergencies are on the rise. Therefore, climate anxiety is on the rise. And Kimozi gives you some tips on how to mitigate its effects. This is now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. The Walrus is Canada's conversation, and you're invited to take part. Download AMI's Voices of the Walrus, where professional narrators read selected articles from the magazine. Available wherever you download your AMI podcasts.